do the work and yeah. expect it to be challenging, expect it to be bumpy because it's going to be. It's a new territory for you. So it's not going to be easy. If you're walking through, you know, a rainforest that's never been walked through, it's going to be twigs, it's going to be trees down there. You're going to have to put on your big boots and, right? It's going to be cuts and scars. The same thing's going to happen here. You're going to have to tread some new waters. So this is very much new. But when you come out on the other side, oh my God, you are going to be phenomenal. Welcome to the tribe. This is your weekly podcast from Tribe Sober. Whether you're already sober, striving to be sober, or just plain sober curious, you need a tribe. You need a tribe because it's so hard to do this alone. You need a tribe because you need support. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've got your back. Here at Tribe Sober, we have people at all stages of the journey, all helping each other to stay on track. On this podcast, we've got recovery stories to inspire you, experts to inform you, and plenty of advice on how to ditch the drink and change your life. So here's your host, tribe leader, Janet Gorond. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tribe Sober Podcast, episode 137. My name is Janet Goron. I'm the founder of Tribe Sober, and I'm your host for this podcast. Here at Tribe Sober, we help people to change their relationship with alcohol, and then to go on and actually thrive in their alcohol-free lives. And over the last seven years, we've helped hundreds of people to do just that. This week, we got a new member from Ireland who's already sober. So well done to Yvonne, who's already clocked up eight months of sobriety. She joined Tribe Sober because she wanted to connect with other sober people. This inspired me to write an article called Sober but Feeling Like an Alien. It's been published on Medium if you want to read it. The article is about our friendship groups and how they evolve as we go through our lives. And ditching the booze certainly shakes up some of those relationships. We may well lose a few of our drinking buddies, but on the positive side, we gain some new friends. Sober friendships are awesome and the connections are authentic and deep. We don't waste our time with small talk and we're not afraid to be vulnerable and ask for help if we need it. So if you're sober and feeling a bit low, if you're sober and thinking, okay, so now what? If you're sober but not really thriving, then a sober community could be exactly what you need right now. And it's our birthday month, so we're offering a birthday discount of 20% off our annual membership. Just go to tribesober.com, hit join our tribe and enter the code BIRTHDAY2022. From day one of your membership, you'll feel an immediate connection with your new sober buddies. We've all been in the same place and we know that the struggle is real. Before you know it, you'll be inspiring the newbies and loving your role as an inspiration to those who are still struggling. Have a listen to my conversation with this week's podcast guest, Sober Queen Connie. Friendship is just one of the topics we discuss. Connie McMillan is an author and a sober coach. Her book is called From Alcohol Fiend 
to sobriety queen and that pretty much sums up her journey. After years of heavy drinking, she decided she was tired of the hangovers and the broken promises. So she did something about it. She put down her glass and took back her power. I asked Connie to tell us a bit about herself. I reside in Georgia. It's actually Griffin, Georgia. I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. Lived there for the majority of my life. I am the youngest of three siblings. It's three children. Um, my sister's the middle, which is kind of weird to say. Well, she's the oldest for my mom, and my brother is the oldest for my dad. So, you know, life is great. Life is great. So over eight years, and, you know, I'm just Fantastic. out here honored and privileged to help others. Well, I'm sober nearly seven years, so we're sober twins. <laughs> Awesome. awesome congratulations. congratulations thank you no it's it's amazing it just gets better and better doesn't it I think sobriety we have to spread the word because I don't certainly when I was drinking I never imagined that sobriety could possibly be fun or <laughs> interesting in any way so take us through your your drinking story Connie when, when did you start drinking were you a teenage drinker my first drink I was given as a child um, from my uncle. My favorite uncle told me it was Kool-Aid. And, uh, <laughs> and I was like, this isn't Kool-Aid. And, you know, but of course I continued to drink it. <laughs> so that was really young. But my journey started, I believe it was my late 30s, mid-30s, late 30s. And I remember it like yesterday as far as the drink itself. I remember, you know, the feeling that I got. I was at uh, Red Lobster's with two of my girlfriends, who I'm still friends with today, incredible ladies. I just, it was like an awakening. When I took the first sip, it was like, ooh, I like this. I, I, I want to feel like this all the time. So it was that moment. And then from there, it just slowly progressed. I was around folks more often that drank. I wound up marrying a man who drank a lot as well. My drinking journey was just, it was horrible. It was horrible. I, I saw alcohol as a way to escape. I saw alcohol as a way to make me feel pretty. I saw alcohol as a way to make me feel courageous. And it was none, none of that. You, you were actually quite a late starter, if I may say so. You said in your 30s that it started getting problematic. Did you Did you not drink during your 20s? I mean, it could have been, you know, things become a little jarred when you are, when you when you have been drinking for so long, because it's been like 15 plus years. But no, it wasn't like my teenagers. It wasn't, it had to be, maybe it was my early 30s, but it wasn't my 20s. So you, you started drinking in your 30s, you loved it, and then you, it got uh, more and more heavy, I guess. What were you, What do you like to drink? What were you drinking? Well, my drink of choice was Long Island iced tea. I, I like to tell folks that I was, you know, greedy. I had to have it both, the dark and the light. So um, <laughs> I couldn't decide which one I wanted. So I had both. Um, and, you know, mixing those two is horrible. It's a horrible combination. Like alcohol itself is horrible, but mixing dark and light is not something you should ever do. I always fell flat on my face, you know, making promises to God, telling him I wouldn't do it again, feeling like, you know, I let him down. Because prior to that, I sang in a choir. I love the thing. I love the Lord and I still love the Lord. 
got sidetracked, got sidetracked and not sidetracked with drinking, just sidetracked with partying. So the partying, the gateway to the drinking. Now I partied when I was younger, but you know, I just knew drinking wasn't the thing you're supposed to do. So I didn't drink. Partying was my first addiction. Partying was like, I mean, truly I was shot at 19 years old. Um, and that was from partying just in the wrong place at the wrong time. But in my drinking, it was, it got so bad that I tried to attempt suicide really bad. I got divorced. Um, my sister was incarcerated. I mean, I, I went through a lot. My mom eventually passed away. Her passing actually was the, was the opening of me starting my journey and being more consistent in it. Really just saying, Connie, you know, seeing my mom in a coffin was like seeing myself in a coffin because I look so much like my mom and she was my everything. I had achieved other accomplishments. I had two degrees even while I was drinking in, in this chaotic world. And I knew that my life deserved more, but I just could not, you know, separate myself from that bottle. But as I said, when I saw my mom in the coffin, it was just like, you got two choices. You know, you can yeah. end your life this way. Um, Cause my mom struggled with alcohol addiction too, even though she was a phenomenal mother. I just, I knew, I said, I, I got to be the one to break this. I have to be the one to break this. And I, I couldn't do it by myself because I had tried many times. And it was, yes, I was going to ask you that. How, have you tried to stop? Oh, many, many times. I would, yeah. how I would stop is, you know, I'd say, oh, I'm going to drink wine this weekend. I hated wine. I couldn't stand wine. <laughs> it, was like, it was like super sweet and it made me go to sleep. And I just was like, I don't want to sleep. I want to, I want to party, you know? So I didn't, wine didn't work for me. Um, or I would say, I'm not going to drink this weekend. I'm, you know, I, I, I'll drink next weekend. I, I did many things to try to stop, but yeah, I, the rules. We all set rules, don't we? And then we go and break them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and then I was still around the same people that drank, you know. So yeah. either, you know, if, if it wasn't directly, it was indirectly. I had contact with them, you know. I remember one time, and I've I've shared this story, I believe, on my own podcast, but I'll share it here as well. So when I was married, I remember we go out to dinner. And he, I, you know, he orders what we drink. <laughs> and I'm like, um, no, I'm, I'm not drinking anymore. I, I, I'm done with it. And that was the night that I drank probably more than I ever had in my life. Why? Because he belittled me. He made me feel like garbage. You understand things backwards when they occur. You know, in that moment, you know, it, but you understand backwards. A person that is, you know, drinking and abusing alcohol and you surprise them like that, they don't want to drink alone, right? You've been their drinking buddy for so long. So the attack wasn't, wasn't nice, but understanding backwards, I knew, I understood why he was so aggressive and so aggressive and, but it was frightening. And I mean, I'd never seen him that angry before. And like I said, he just went off and belittled me and called me all these different names and and I just, I drank with him and, you know, I, I, I often also say like, God saw my desire to want to stop and he got me out of that marriage. I was married for five years and we were together for 11, but it still was hard to leave. It was not easy, but it was the best decision of my life and the most courageous. I left that marriage with my dog and my clothes. I wanted nothing, not a wedding ring, not a wedding photo, not anything. I cried a lot, um, but I got clear on some things too. I got clear on, you know, how I lost myself 
not just to alcohol, but to the marriage. You know, I lost Connie. I had no idea who Connie was anymore because I had been living this life and spending thousands of dollars. I mean, I'm a homeowner today, but I could have had two homes, most likely. I mean, I spent a lot. I wasted a lot of money. Let me say that. And so there is where I became an author, got sober, help, you know, have helped a lot of women. I'm, I'm honored. I'm honored that God saw fit to say, I still have an assignment for your life. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. And how did you actually stop Connie? I share this in my book, how it actually happened. And so one night, because um, I would, what I would do is I would go to different liquor stores. This is back, this is in Jersey. And so if I felt like I was going to one liquor store too often, I go to another liquor store because I'm like, I don't need them to see me. You know, I'm this sophisticated lady and I don't need them to, you know, realize that I'm drinking so much. Oh gosh, the thoughts that we carry in our head. And so, <laughs> As if they care. <laughs> right, they don't care, but they're getting the money. They can really care less, but that's my mind and that's what I'm thinking. I was walking to the liquor store because it was right at the corner of my house. And I was like, oh, I know God is through with me. Just He's just through with me. So I'm just going to have this pint of Long Island iced tea, whatever. And I get back home and I used to work at a bar also when I lived in Brooklyn. Yeah, go figure. The girl that was drinking like crazy worked at a bar. Anyway, so I took my wine glass. I put it in the freezer because that's what we used to do at the bar. We let it get a little frosty. And I pulled it out, you know, shortly thereafter. And I poured my Long Island iced tea inside the glass. I think I added ice cubes too because I I liked my drink cold. So anyways, I take a sip and I choke. I never choke. And I'm like the professional drinker. (laughs) So I'm like, oh my God, I'm coughing. And, you know, I'm like, oh, I must have drank too fast. It went down the wrong, you know, wrong pipe or what have you. And I, you know, gathered myself and then I took another sip and the exact thing happened. Now, prior to this, I had been praying and asking God, help me with this substance, help me with this. But when it happened the second time, it was way different. The choking spell was just like, I couldn't even get it together. Like, I'm just, I mean, I cough and cough and cough and I dropped the glass. And I said, oh my God, this is God helping me. And I just cried, I cried, I cried. I'm like, God, thank you. Because I know he knew I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop. Like, did we have this, idea I did. Let me say this. I had an idea of how God was going to help me with this substance. Like I thought I was just going to wake up and I just was not going to have a desire. That wasn't the way he did it. Once I dropped the glass, I started crying. I I never picked up again. That was it. My thought was like, girl, don't try a third time. You might get taken out. (laughs) So I just saw it as God answered my prayer. And um, so at that time I had my first business, which was cocktails with chocolate. And I would cater to different events, baby showers. And uh, as I said, I'm, I was a, I'm a licensed bartender. I made great money there. I had a full-time job, but that, that made great money. And I heard God say, turn your business to a non-alcoholic service. And I'm like, oh God, come on. Like nobody's going to hire me for juice, Lord. It's just not going to happen. And he's like, turn your business into a non-alcoholic service. And I'm like, okay. You said it. I'm going to do it. We're going to see. I had an event coming up and this was my first event where I did not include alcohol in a bar service. I had no recipe. I had no idea what I was going to do. 
it was a friend of mine. He was turning 50. We knew each other from church. He called me and was like, I want you to do my bar service for my 50th birthday. And I don't want alcohol. I was like, oh my God, this is confirmation. Like, I was like, okay. And I was like, well, what's your budget? He's like, I don't have a budget. Whatever you charge is what I will pay. Like, I'm like, oh my God. Like, this is just really happening. I prayed. God gave me some ideas with some um, different, you know, beverages and how I can, you know, because I know we eat with our eyes. So I always knew that I have to make it look pretty. Those two signature cocktails that I created wind up being my bottle products to this day. So it was like it just, everything was just unfolding. And then I had a launch for the bar service. And before I knew it, people were just calling for events. And I wind up getting contracts with schools for their proms. And it was crazy. It was crazy how things just, just happened so quickly. I had no book at that time. I wasn't helping women in sobriety. I was just living my life. Yeah, I was telling my stories sometimes on, on Instagram, but people kept asking me, you know, where's your book? If I would go out at events and, you know, you have a story. When you start your brand, there's always a story behind it. And so I would tell them and they'd say, oh, do you have a book? And I'm like, no, but it, that question kept arising so much. And then I met this young lady, Alex is her name, and she is the, I have got to shout her out because I love her. Think like a boss. If you guys don't know who she is, you go follow her on Instagram. And she was the one who actually got me to sit down and write a book. She said, you need a book. You need a book. And I was like, Really? You just, I don't, I don't know, You as you're on this journey, you're discovering yourself, your beliefs are slowly changing about yourself, and I was slowly building my confidence back up. And so started my book, wrote my book, released it in 2018, Alcohol Fiend to Sobriety Queen, 25 Tips to Putting Down Your Bottle and Picking Up Your Crown. Um, so and, it's your story plus some guidance absolutely. to help people. Yeah. Just a little bit okay. But yes, some tips on, you know, how you can, first of all, you how you put down the bottle and, you know, tips on how to navigate in this journey from a fiend to a queen. And uh, it's just really been mind blowing. <laughs> it's been mind that book has. I've sold so many copies of that book. I mean, it's like you, you just you have no idea how your life will transform when you yeah. say the sobriety, when you put yourself in a right environments. And when I say the right environments, I mean, in terms of people that are like-minded, right? People that will pour into you instead of pour out of you. It, it has been incredible and it, the journey still continues. So eventually, you know, it came a point when I said, all right, so I'm going to have to really start telling my story. So from the book, you know, now you get speaking engagements. Now I'm, you know, in paid speaking engagements. Some were not paid because I just didn't feel led to charge. But then, of course, there were others where now, you know, they're paying me to come to their events. You want to be able to help and share your story and how you've just overcome certain things as much as possible. You want to be everywhere you can because that's important. You understand that your life and your healing isn't really about you. It's like there are women out here and especially black women. Being a black woman, you know, we deal with issues a lot differently. Um, and that's not to say that other races don't, but I can only speak from where where I sit. And I just saw, you know, you start reflecting. I saw how much it had taken my family, my bloodline out. One of my aunts who passed away not too long ago, all of her daughters struggle with alcohol addiction. 
you know, you may be the only person in your family that will be sober, you know, you, and that's fine. But it doesn't mean that, you know, it will stay that way necessarily. So maybe in your lifetime, you may see that you're the only person. But I feel that, you know, you're starting the conversation or starting the the breaking of the generational curse. People need to see what life is on the other side, because if we're just drinking and carrying out this flawed, not flawed, but like this pretend life, like everything's grand with this substance, it's a lie for one. It's a lot of energy, wasted energy. You're really putting yourself in position to not live your best life. And when I say your best life, the life that you were intended to live, right? The success that you were intended to have, the healing, the authenticity. That is what you're doing when you don't live a life of healing. You're not drinking because it tastes good. I can guarantee you that. (laughs) You're drinking because you have some sort of trauma that has happened, some some unresolved issue that you're not addressing, and alcohol will never solve it, ever. I mean, you mentioned the word authenticity there, Connie, and uh, I often say that I really love the recovery community because there is so much authenticity there. It's it's almost the opposite to a party, isn't it, where everybody's drinking and talking, yeah. you know, a load of BS and trying to impress each other. Yes. You know, when, when you meet people that have struggled with alcohol and then got clean, you know, they're, they're just so honest about their story. And that's, you know, one of the the things that I really love about it. And there's an instant connection as well. Yeah, absolutely. People are super transparent and they don't mind being vulnerable. That's not what we're taught a lot of times, you know, in our households. And it doesn't matter where you're from, right? You're kind of given this idea of what you are supposed to, how you're supposed to live. I remember growing up, you know, what happens in this house stays in this house. And I'm sure that's Many people have heard that as well growing up. So talk to us about the benefits of sobriety. If you had to pick your top three. Well, for me, I'll I'll say that the top benefits are, again, authenticity, living out your real self. Because, you know, in drinking, you're lying. You're lying to yourself. When you speak, you're the first one to hear your words. So there's something to think about, right? So authenticity would be my first. You will find out who your friends are. I believe you stay in relationships because of history. Like I've known this person since grade school or grad school. Um, And so you think there's loyalty to that, but that's not friendship. Friendship is regarding people that will stick with you through thick and thin, people that can pour into your life. That's friendship. I would say, you know, your friendships will change. Your relationships will change for the better. And then lastly, you know, you're able to serve at a higher level. You're absolutely able to serve at a higher level. And I think we all were created to do that. We're all created to give something to the earth, add something to the earth. The trees are here to add something to us, right? So there you were with your sober juice bar. Let's go back to this. A few years sober. And then how did the rest unfold? How did you get into the sober coaching? And you wrote your book, of course, which we'll, I'll put in the show notes. The coaching just eventually came. As I said, I would do more speaking engagements. People would ask me, you know, could you help me with my journey? And I was feeling a little reluctant, like, I don't know, you know, this is my story. But here's the thing. I'm always educating myself the more. Once you gain sobriety, you're always wanting to know about your body. You know, you're wanting to know about this substance. That's going to come. Trust and believe you're going to do that. 
So the more I kept educating myself in sidebar, I also have a bachelor's degree in human services with a concentration in alcohol addiction. So yeah, just educated myself and took on my first client. I said, what the heck? I'm going to teach her steps that I used. Actually, it worked. You know, she and I worked once a week together. I gave her some writing assignments and, you know, you, you're going to attract people that are like you in your story and everything. So most of my clients, they're either divorcees. I'm a divorcee. They have low self-esteem, but I had low self-esteem. You're going to attract those same types of people. Um, I also know that everybody's not my client. So most of my clients are executives. And I didn't know that either at first. I was just like, wow. So I have a certain type of client that will reach out to me. Uh, Most of my clients are, you know, they're kind of private. Like they just really don't like group settings. They don't want in a group setting. They really just want that one-on-one. And so that's what I cater to. It's, It's just been incredible. So I just got certified as a recovery support specialist. I actually am going to now assist women that are already sober, but they just don't know what they have next, like what's next for them. Yeah, uh, that's a very good field. Yeah, because I think a lot of us, uh, I mean, I was I was kind of there, but fortunately I had the idea to start Tribe Sober. So that's kept me busy. A lot of the people that I work with, you know, they they've been drinking for years and it's almost been their their hobby, you know, because they they socialize and they drink and that's what they do with their spare time. So when they stop drinking, there's a feeling, you know, you put your heart and soul into that. and Maybe that takes six months, you know, of hard work. And then there's a feeling of, well, well, now what? what do I do now? And we we have worked with our community and gradually people have found things to do, you know, creative things. They're, they're making things, they're painting, they're writing. You said earlier, Connie, that you find out who your friends are, but I think you also find out who you are <laughs> because we lose ourselves, don't we? I say to people sometimes, well, what, what did you used to like doing before you you yeah. started drinking? And they go, I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's that's so true. You have to deep dive. Like, what did I like? Because you've been having this toxic relationship for so long, so you forget. Sometimes you don't forget. Sometimes you know there are opportunities where you're like, oh, I used to like you know whatever it was. But yeah, I think that there's a need for that. Sober now, what? You ought to know that again. You have a gift. And you can be a contributor in whatever way that is, right? You can be the best person that you can be the best blanket person. Like you're making blankets from, you know, for the sober tribe. You'd be surprised how many people have found themselves. Every Saturday afternoon, we open up our tribe sober Zoom cafe. It's a safe space where our members can connect, check in, and just shoot the breeze about alcohol-free living. If you'd like to be a guest at the cafe one Saturday, just drop us an email at Janet at tribesober.com. That's Janet, J-A-N-E-T, at tribesober.com, and we'll send you an invitation. One of your podcast episode titles caught my eye. I thought it was great. I haven't listened to it yet, but I will. And it's called Five Things That Sobriety Taught Me. Do you remember what they are, Connie? Oh, boy. Well, again, it taught me how to love myself for sure. It taught me how to love myself. You're drinking, as I said, to mass pain. 
I always struggled with low self-esteem. So I had to learn how to love Connie again. I had to learn how to gain self-respect, right? That was important to me because I really lost it. I, you know, I was, I put so much into alcohol and relationships and people. I was, I was a people pleaser and I never would have thought I was that person. So definitely loving Connie again, going back to my roots and loving God too. Like being honest about you are a woman who loves God and you love to help people. And if people can't respect that, then Oh, well, I'm not your typical coach. I'm not, and I'm not, I don't apologize for that. Being unafraid to do what it is that you want to do. Even if you mess up, like, you know, this is an idea I have. I'm going to pursue it. You won't get it right the first time anyway, right? It's it's a trial run anyway. (laughs) As you go on, you'll find out what those strengths and weaknesses are. You'll fine tune them. I've always been family oriented. So sobriety has taught me that too. Love your family, accept them for who they are. They're going to be people in your family that they won't get healed. Show compassion. My dad has been uh, on drugs all of my life. He is 73. Uh, I pray for him constantly. I pour into him and I'm grateful that my dad is still here. We tend to beat ourselves up. We tend to view from the rear view mirror instead of, you know, the future, right? You look and you're looking back too much and you're constantly weighing heavy on yourself about the mistakes you made. I did it. I lived my life that way for a very, very long time. Well, Connie, you know, you slept with this many guys and you know, you did this, you know, you did that. And it kept me stuck. Focus on your future self, the thoughts, the dreams, because we've all had them. You've had visions of who you want to be. You have, I, I promise you have. And if you haven't, then you better go off for somebody else's vision that they have for you, a positive one. But I hope that you have one for yourself. And if you haven't, get one. Get one for yourself. So if anyone's listening to this and they know that they've got to stop drinking, they know they've got a problem, but they just don't know where to start. You know, I don't know if you remember that feeling, but I certainly do. What would you say to them? And why is it worth all the hard work? Well, first of all, if you know that a substance is controlling you. People are telling you, you behave different. You're not the same. If that conversation is constantly coming up, that's a problem, right? Um, you can tell yourself all day that you're, I can control this. I can, tr- I can control this. But if people are telling you that you're you're not the same person, you're, you're aggressive, you're argumentative, you know, you're promiscuous, um, whatever it is that they're saying, you, you got to take heed to it. You got to take heed to it because everybody can't be lying. Get the help that you need. Be unafraid to do that. As as a woman, you know, we're so busy being nurturers and taking care of everybody else that we forget about us. Be bold in saying, I need help. I need support. Um, Reach out, you know, reach out to communities. I'd say just even if you were to watch, you know, go on Clubhouse, listen to some podcasts and listen to other people's stories, you will find that you will resonate with a lot of people. That way you'll know that you're not alone, right? And then take the action to get the help that you need. But at least put yourself out there to listen, to hear uh, how people are sharing, um, how their lives are transforming, not overnight, with a process. And then lastly, get the support that you need. You're not going to get all the support on a clubhouse uh, room. You're not going to get all the support in a podcast. You're going to hear some things. You're going to take away some things, 
But the support, you may need a coach, you need, you'll need a therapist. That is where you do the work. Do the work and yeah. expect it to be challenging. Expect it to be bumpy because it's going to be. It's a new territory for you. So it's not going to be easy. If you're walking through, you know, a rainforest that's never been walked through, it's going to be twigs, it's going to be trees down, you're going to have to put on your big boots and, right, it's going to be cuts and scars. The same thing's going to happen here. You're going to have to tread some new waters. So this is very much new. But when you come out on the other side, oh my God, you are going to be phenomenal. So a big thank you to Sober Queen Connie for sharing her story and passing on some great tips. Let's pull out some key points. Connie was a bit of a late starter. She didn't start drinking until her 30s, but when she did drink, alcohol made quite an impression on her. She describes it as an awakening. The alcohol took hold quickly and she married a heavy drinker. She saw alcohol as a way to escape, to feel pretty, to feel courageous. But it also brought her down low, even making her suicidal. Like many of us, Connie had tried to stop and of course made lots of rules around her drinking. You know the rules. I won't drink this weekend or I'll just drink wine because I don't like wine. She told her husband about her decision to stop drinking during a dinner at a restaurant. He was not at all supportive and she ended up drinking more than ever that evening. Her marriage eventually ended in divorce, which was hard. But looking back, she can now see that she'd lost herself, both to alcohol and to the marriage. She explained how she managed to stop drinking and it's quite a story. She'd been praying to God for help with her drinking problem, but she was still struggling. One night, she brought her favourite bottle of alcohol home and put her glass in the freezer to chill. When the glass was nicely frosted, she took it out of the freezer, pulled the alcohol in and took a sip. Rather than savouring it, she choked on it. But thought nothing of it. She waited a few moments and then took another sip. And she choked again. This made her stop and think. She believed that this was the sign from God that she'd been waiting for. He was helping her, so she resisted taking another sip and managed to stop drinking. That was eight years ago. We both agreed that when we get sober, our life will unfold in ways we never imagined. And Connie feels that even if we come from an alcoholic family, we can break that generational curse by showing how an alcohol-free life can be lived. We talked about the power of vulnerability and the fact that most of us are brought up to hide our vulnerability. And that's why the recovery community is such a joy to many of us. We can be authentic and ask for help if we need it. In 2018, Connie released her first book, which has an awesome title. It's called Alcohol Fiend to Sobriety Queen. 25 tips to putting down the bottle and picking up your crown. Available from Amazon. Connie's book led to speaking engagements and she's keen to share her story, which she knows will help others. 
She also had a podcast called Sober Confessions. She also runs a mobile bar service for alcohol-free drinks. She's a sober coach and is planning to coach people who are already sober but are looking for the next stage. I think this is a great idea. We need to see our sobriety as the foundation for further self-development and coaching can help us to find our purpose and fulfill our potential. I asked Connie for some advice for people who know they need to make a change, but they don't know how to get started. And she had some great advice. She suggests hanging out in sobriety rooms in Clubhouse. No need to say anything, just listen to other people's stories and read some quick lit books. You'll find stories there that'll resonate with you and you'll realise you're not alone in this. That's when you'll feel confident to reach out to sober communities. Here at Tribe Sober, we recommend that people just listen and learn to start with. You don't even have to stop drinking. But we can guarantee that the community will inspire you to give alcohol-free living a chance. So let me end with a lovely testimonial from one of our members who's doing our online kickstart course. So this is from David. He said, I've spent many years training and teaching at university, including online postgrad, and I'm very impressed with your course and have wanted to continue it all the time, hence moving through it so fast. I think it's excellent. I can see your training and development experience coming through very much. You're able to put across quite difficult concepts in such a clear and simple way. A lot of thought has gone into the design. Thank you. Well, thank you, David. It's been wonderful to see you powering your way through Kickstart in record time. And as November is our birthday month, we're offering a 20% discount on our Kickstart online course. Just go to tribesober.com and hit Kickstart online. Enter birthday 2022 when you purchase and you'll get a 20% reduction. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week. Ditching the drink is like climbing a mountain. It's hard, it takes courage and grit, and an experienced guide. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've climbed that mountain, and we know the view from the top is amazing. We've used our experience to put together a unique membership program that will support you all the way. We've got challenges, chat rooms, sober buddies, trackers, and milestone awards, and that's just for starters. So head on over to tribesober.com and check out our membership program. It's the essential resource for anyone looking to ditch the drink and change their life.